Have you ever been in that situation where you're so excited for something that's about to happen? We find ourselves just hoping and longing and waiting for this moment to come. And those are good times. Those are joyous times. Those are times when our lives are full of hope. But there are other times in our lives where we are full of stress, anxiety, and worry, hoping that something doesn't happen. We all get exposed to things where we want something not to happen. And maybe for some of us, it's uh, going to work. Maybe for some of us, it's not getting sick. Or for some of us, maybe it has to do with our kids and what we don't want our kids to get into. Well, what all of those things do, they point us in this direction where we hope that these things don't actually happen. And one of the things that's really important about us realizing when we talk about God is that we actually hope that we don't want God to be mean to us, to be unfair. We actually hope and want God to be a God that is fully uh, full of goodness and love and fairness. When we look at the book of Revelation, and we see in the book of Revelation that God judges those who are disobedient, it's actually something that none of us want to see happen. But the reality is, this is what God shares with us about who he is. You see, humanity over time has been incredibly disobedient to what God is about. But yet God is still full of love, he's still full of fairness, and he tells us what will happen when we are disobedient to him. That's part of the reason why God had the Bible written, so that he could communicate that to humanity. As we've been going through the book of Revelation, what we have seen is these events, these visions that John has received from God about the things that are about yet to take place. And today we pick up this unpacking of the future in Revelation chapter 15 and 16. And in Revelation chapter 15 and 16, we see these plagues, these seven plagues and seven angels that bring this destruction upon the earth. And all of us, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, should never want anything like this to happen. And for some of us, we might be full of worry and stress and anxiety, hoping that this doesn't actually happen. But this passage is actually a warning, and it displays the fairness and goodness and love of God by telling humanity all of these things that are going to take place before they actually happen. So let's, let's look at this vision that John had over in Revelation 15 and 16. This is what it says. This is what he saw. 
It says, then I saw another sign in heaven, a great and amazing seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last, for with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hand. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked, and the sanctuary of the tent of witnesses in heaven was opened. And out of the sanctuary came seven angels with the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. Then he heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you have brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the and I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. The fifth, fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole earth to assemble them for battle on that great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon.
Armageddon. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple and from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder and a great earthquake such as there had never been since there was man on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away, no mountains were to be found. Great hailstones, about a hundred pounds each, fell from heaven on people, and they cursed God for the plague of hail, because the plague was so severe. What we see here in this vision that John has is the last of the last, of God's judgments on humanity before the great white throne judgment. And it occurs after the seventh trumpet. A number of times throughout the passage, this phrase, God's wrath, is used. And the seven bowls or the seven plagues represent God's wrath being poured out on the earth. God's wrath is his angry response on God's part to human disobedience. God is not a vengeful God, but God still brings consequences to those who disobey him. And there's a number of things about God's wrath that we actually see in this passage as it's described about the inhabitants of the earth. You see, God's wrath is just. In verse 3 of chapter 15, we, we read about these individuals, these people, these believers who have conquered the beast and its image. And they sing this song of Moses, and it says, and they sang the song of Moses, this servant of God, the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. One of the most important characteristics of who God is, is that he is just. Meaning that God's actions and God's ways are always right. They're good and they are true. He is just. He is not a God of injustice. And the very fact that he is just means that if you have been disobedient, you must suffer the consequences of disobedience. At the same time, that justice speaks to if you have been obedient, then you deserve the consequences of being obedient. But they're really not consequences for obedience in a negative way but they are really rewards for being obedient. You see, that's really what God's justice is all about. Being fair, being good, being right. And in the midst of this, what we see is we see all of these seven plagues being poured out on the earth, on humanity, because humanity has chosen at this point in time 
people have chosen to disobey God. And God says, okay, you have free choice. You can disobey me, but there are consequences for disobeying me. And that's his justice. And God's wrath comes on those who disobey him. Now, this is actually a warning to us, and it shows God's fairness by him telling us this ahead of time. And for some of us, even hearing this, we might all of a sudden be full of anxiety and worry, thinking about all the things that we have done where we have disobeyed God and God's commands. But know that God wants something so much more for us because he actually offers a way of escape which reinforces this idea of how just he actually is. Here he is pronouncing that he is coming with wrath, and it's just, but yet he provides this way of escape. In fact, if God didn't provide a way of escape, he would not be just. But because he has provided a way of escape through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, then he is just because his consequences are just. Well, as we continue reading, one of the other things we see about God's wrath in all of these plagues is that it's very deserving. As we look at chapter 16, verse six, it says, and I heard the angel in charge of the water say, just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. You see, good people get what they deserve. Bad people get what they deserve when it comes to God's wrath. And yes, there is really a difference between those who God pours out his wrath on and those who find grace and don't receive God's wrath. But the people that are on the earth at this point in time as things of the last days and as the end are wrapping up are very uh, deserving of God's wrath, his anger, his judgment on human disobedience. We see in the passage that I read in verse Six, where it says that they've actually shed the blood of the saints. They've killed God's people. They've come against God in so many ways, and we've seen that with the beast and those who follow the beast where they've slain. And this is still happening even today as we speak. There are martyrs all around the world who are being killed because of their faith in Jesus and belief in God. But yet, they're not getting what they deserve right now. But in this day, they get exactly what they deserve. And again, when God is deserving, it also shows that he is just. He is just to give people what they deserve. May it be that you and I do not deserve God's wrath. And what actually protects us from God's wrath is belief in Jesus Christ, confessing our sins, causing our disobedience to be laid before the throne of God 
asking for his grace and his mercy and his love to forgive and to not pour out his wrath, his anger on human disobedience. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he was totally undeserving of God's wrath. But yet God had to get rid of his wrath because of human disobedience. But there was nothing that God could get rid of that wrath on. So he decided to give himself and to absorb it into himself, to take his wrath upon himself, and again proving that he is just, but making a way so that those who have faith and trust and belief in Jesus would find mercy and grace where we're treated undeservingly of the disobedience that we all know in our hearts we have done. Well, as these plagues are being poured out, what we actually see is that God's wrath is very extensive. In these seven plagues, we see a number of different categories where God comes down, so to speak, and pours his anger out on human disobedience. The first angel has this plague where sores come upon those who bear the image of the beast. That's people of this world. Yes, that is true. At some point in time, if you are worshiping the beast, not worshiping Jesus, God himself is going to inflict you with the sores that will bring pain and judgment into your life. In the second plague, we see the sea becomes like blood. Everything in it dies. The third one, we see rivers and springs turn to blood. And really, God is bringing to bear the reality of the whole history of the earth and the martyrs that have been killed by shedding the blood of those who believe in Jesus and bringing it into the water. Water is the most important thing, a survival of life on this planet. Without proper water, the world would not exist. But in these moments where the oceans and the seas, the rivers and the springs are turned to blood, everything changes. And it is God's judgment. It's his fierce anger being poured out. But as we turn to the fourth plague, the, the sun grows hotter and it scorches people. And we can see the sun moving in that direction even today. And again, this is God's judgment. His consequences that he's pouring out on people, on those who disobey him. The next angel, this plague is now on the throne of the beast, plunging the kingdom of the beast into darkness. And again, a lot of these plagues parallel other plagues that God has given in history. And again, these are not man-made kind of plagues. These are plagues 
that, that come and everyone of the world knows that there is a divine being, God, in the midst of authoring all of these things. And then the sixth angel comes along and there's a drought that dries up the Euphrates River, setting the stage for this great battle of Armageddon. And yes, we are very culturally aware of the word Armageddon. All kinds of newspapers, tabloids take advantage of this word. But yet sometimes we mock it. But yet this is part of what God has planned for pouring out his wrath on the earth and on humanity. And then we're introduced to this last angel, the seventh angel, who brings this last plague where it is all wrapped up, it is done, and there's this bowl is poured out in the air and natural disaster on the earth like we have never seen before happens. Hailstones, a hundred pounds each. Mountains and islands are destroyed. Earthquakes rattle the foundations of the whole earth. Cities crumble, all while God pours out his wrath on human disobedience. You see, all of these plagues speak to the extensiveness of God's wrath on human disobedience. God is there to show the world that he is God, that he is in control, and that he has the power over all things. That is who he is. And in the midst of this, what we see is that God's judgment, God's wrath on humanity is incredibly tormenting to those that are not worshiping Jesus. As we look in chapter 16, we see in verses 9 and 11 the, the context of the people who are in the receiving position of all of God's wrath. It says they were scorched by the fierce heat that is coming from the sun, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. And again, as the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness, people gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and their sores. They did not repent of their deeds. See, one of the things that's happening in this context at this point in time in history as God is pouring out his wrath on the earth is that those that are in this receiving place are not repenting of their deeds. They are not turning away from disobedience. They are actually hardening their hearts towards disobedience. You see, God desires all of us to come to repentance. Repentance is a change of direction where we stop disobeying God and we start obeying him. But this group of people that are being tormented are the ones who will not repent. And even after all of this evidence, all of God's miracles, they're not repenting of their activities. You see, God's wrath torments those who God is against. That's just what God does at this stage. 
And as he says, it is done. It is wrapped up. To be sure, we can know for sure that when we express faith and trust and belief in Jesus, where we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this kind of anguish that is happening here in Revelation 15 and 16 will not come near you. God's promise is that Jesus died on the cross to satisfy God's wrath for those who believe and confess and trust in Jesus. And yes, in the midst of this, we see God is love because he tells us these things before they happen. It displays his fairness. It displays his goodness and his justice because he does provide this way of escape from his wrath. And that comes through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God gave these visions to John to, to warn John, but to also to inform people that these things were about to take place. I would encourage you, if you've never thought about these things, but to take them seriously and to think about them today. To know that the God who created the heavens and the earth is real. No matter what the world says, no matter what you even think, God is real. We see that in his faithfulness to tell us things ahead of time and then do them. And if God has done things in the past that he has kept his word on, he will do them in the future that he has told us about. His ways are true and just. And for those of us who do believe and have put our faith in Jesus, we can be encouraged. We can actually know that this kind of wrath is not going to come near us but that God will protect us through these times. And because of the death and the shedding of blood of Jesus, God's wrath will not come near the believer. We as believers have this duty, we have this responsibility to tell others about this message. To tell this message that God's wrath will at some point be poured out in the last day. And no one would want this to happen to them. And none of us would ever want it to happen to any of our family members. We don't have to worry that it might happen. All we need to do is put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are just. That you actually give people what they deserve. Lord, what we don't deserve is grace and mercy. We all know in our hearts that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are not like you. We have turned each to our own and not been obedient to you. Lord, I pray today for that person who's hearing this, who has not confessed faith and trust and belief in Jesus. Oh Lord, that they would, that you would reach down, that you would make yourself real to them and that they would
put their faith and trust in you, that they would receive your grace, your mercy, and your kindness as they accept this message of Jesus. And Lord, we know that there are going to be those who do not repent, who do not want to give their life over to following you, and they will curse you, but you, God, will pour out your wrath on them, and they will suffer extensively and be tormented. Lord, I pray that this would not happen to those of us that are listening. But Lord, that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see the goodness and your grace in the midst of this. So Lord, we put our trust in you. We worship you. We thank you for telling us these things ahead of time so that we can be prepared for when this day does arrive. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus.